What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Like Nation News Podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Red Nation Noobs on Twitter. Here, joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, we just recorded eleven days ago, but it's funny how much has happened in that time for the Rockets. Normally, we're done talking about free agency like two or three weeks ago, but this year it's been a very slow grind for Houston. Yeah, every time uh, we we think we're gonna have a break. Something comes up, and every time we think something comes up, there's just a, a long break instead. So it's been a, it's been kind of a repeated blindside of an off season, right? So let's talk about Daryl Morey first, since we forgot to talk about him on the last podcast. So, um, if you guys don't know, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast already knows the Sixers attempted to hire Daryl Morey uh, right from under the Rockets like three weeks ago, like, and I'm sure the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets gave. Daryl Morey permission to interview with the Sixers or like to talk with them because otherwise I mean it'd be you know it'd be against NBA rules I'm sure he's under contract with the Rockets till like 2022 or something like that he signed an extension last summer so he's clearly not allowed to talk to other teams without uh without consent from ownership and Daryl turned him down like he turned he turned the Sixers down and I gotta say it was this this report completely blindsided me because I just you you that's some balls for the Sixers to go after Daryl Morey after firing the guy he mentored two years ago (laughs) like that's insane like that the Sixers this summer have been a non-stop drama fest and like going after Daryl Morey like listen I'm all for shoot your shot like there's Nothing wrong with going after something, even if you have like a one percent chance of tr- of making it happen. But going after Mori after they just fired Hinky <laughs> literally two years ago in the most embarrassing fashion, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I respect the moxie of that, right? To yeah. actually go for it and see what they could do. Uh, I gotta say, I'm not surprised that he turned them down. Uh, he's built something in Houston, and he's. I mean, the Rockets have James Harden on a team, and uh, Maury still might be like the face of the franchise. Honestly, like there is, among many circles, he is the face of the franchise. Is the way I'll put it. So it, well, it's, it, it was surprising. Up there me. with Harden, right? It's like they're yeah. like one A, one B, whichever one you want to pick. It's 
you rarely see a front office head be the the figure for a franchise, but you're right. He's like synonymous with the Rockets. It's when you talk about the Rockets, the most interesting people on the on the team are James Harden and Daryl Morey. And more often than not, like we're talking about Daryl Morey, it's 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 funny. I just think it's like I, this idea that Daryl Morey would be this coveted executive. Like nobody thought this ten years ago, right? Like ten or eleven years ago, everybody was making fun of this dude. Like this is the math dude from MIT um, that the rock uh, that the Rockets brought in as like a like to be innovative right to be different from everybody else this is the guy that thinks he can do our job better than we can like the the ball is on this guy right like and now like he's one of the i mean everybody he's universally regarded as one of the five best executives in the league if not top three and i I just think like it's it's a a testament to how far he's come and a truly bizarre attempt by the sixers i mean it was I, I, i still can't get over that like this the the idea that he, that he would take that job after they did his boy like that like it's I, I don't know like it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's it was a truly weird story. Well, perhaps they offered him a lot of money and hoping it would work as it often does, but it didn't. He wanted to stick around with what he's been building in a <clears throat> in Houston, and everyone in the in Rockets world is better for it. Right, right, yeah. Um. So let's go ahead and move on to Mello, since that's what happened first in terms of uh, reporting. So I've completely flip-flopped on the Carmelo Anthony signing, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But first, let's get to the official reporting. Mark Stein of the New York Times reported six days ago that Carmelo Anthony indeed plans to sign with the Houston Rockets after he is waived by the Atlanta Hawks. So let's first explain why this process is taking so long, because I'm sure there are a lot of people that are wondering, like, what's the holdup? So, I'm sure you guys remember the initial trade that sent Melo to Atlanta. Um, at first, the Sixers held up the trade because they wanted to make a minor roster move. After they made that move, the trade was made. But here's the thing. All of these players are in different parts of the world right now. Whether it be for vacation or something else, <laughs> it's taking some time for everyone to complete their physicals. Once they complete their physicals, the trade will be official and, and the Hawks can waive Carmelo. Then a 48-hour clock starts and Melo will clear waivers after that. Um, and nobody's going to sign Melo in that 48-hour period because, well, A, nobody can because nobody has that amount of cap space. <laughs> and B, like, it's that's ludicrous. Even if someone had that amount of cap space, nobody's going to sign Melo for that contract he's on right now. So he's going to receive his money in three... In a three-year increments, like of nine million dollars each, pretty much, and it's like twenty-seven point eight million dollars, like coming coming to him in three years, and um, he can only double dip a certain amount in terms of what he can sign for after he's an unrestricted free agent, and he is he is planning to take, according to Mike Mark Stein, the minimum the the veterans minimum. That's what you want. <laughs> yeah, like. So, like, what's really interesting about this is the Rockets had their taxpayer MLE, and they've been hoarding it, and we have no, we've had no idea why they've they've hoarded it, and a lot of us have speculated, including you and I, that they're they're saving that for Carmelo Anthony, right? Like that was the idea here, right? They didn't spend they didn't spend that on Luke and Bamute, so obviously they're saving that for Carmelo Anthony. Not the case. 
uh, Luke Mbamute is indeed headed to the Clippers, and the Rockets will still have their taxpayer MLE after they sign Carmelo Anthony. Um, do you think the Rockets knew knew that Melo was willing to take the veterans minimum, or do you think that um, they had no idea and therefore they missed out on Luke because they were saving it? I suspect they were hoping that he would take the minimum, but that they wanted to have that available uh, in case he didn't. I got that. That is, in fact, my suspicion that they they weren't sure a hundred percent either way, and so. Uh, you know the, the benefits of keeping your veterans minimum around, or your your uh, your mid level. Sorry, take even take a veterans minimum keeps your mid level around anyway, which is good. And even if they weren't saving it for a specific thing, there's still a case to be made. I think that uh, it's it is a good move to keep that exception in the back pocket, especially since they were able to. Uh, they did use part of it already, you know. So it hasn't just been keeping powder dry. Uh, I think it makes sense, but I, yeah, I don't think they knew fully. I think they suspected he might take the minimum, but I don't think they knew. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I, I think they had some intel. I mean, obviously, they met with him uh, in Vegas, and they, they obviously were in talks with Mbamute at the same time. Uh, it's, it's possible that Mbamute took the money and, and blindsided, blindsided them, but I mean, it's, it's more likely that talks weren't really. You know, moving towards any sort of deal with Mbamute, and uh, he walked for more money with the Clippers. Um, this is one of the bigger reasons I've changed my view on the signing. If he had signed for the taxpayer MLE, that's an opportunity cost for the Rockets. They could have signed somebody else for that money, but Melo for the minimum is a no brainer. At $2.4 million a year, that's incredibly cheap, and the Rockets still have their taxpayer MLE in their back pocket. Uh, should they choose to use it? Yeah, and who knows? I mean, there's there's plenty of guys who will probably be coming available in the buyout market, and even before then, there may be uh, you know, there may be some 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 good signings available depending on what transpires. It's just a good thing to have. That's a very useful exception, especially for a team that good when nobody else has any money right now. Right, and um, Maury did an interview with uh, Space City Scoop, which is a blog about the Houston Rockets, um, and he said that the Rockets don't expect to sign anyone else other than their very rumored move of Carmel Anthony. Um, other than that, it looks like they're going to hold on to that taxpayer MLE going into the season. They spent chunks of it on their rookies, which we all expected they would do that. Like, they spent, um, like, they, they, they gave Isaiah Hardenstein their rookie minimum for a multi-year deal, uh, which was, I'm a big fan of Isaiah Hardenstein. I like that deal a lot. Uh, he showed out in summer league. The dude is confident, athletic, uh, has some real defensive potential, and like I, I, I really like that signing. I, I like, I like keeping Isaiah Hardenstein around, especially as a second round guy that you got last year. Yeah, and they have they got him on a three year deal also, which means that he'll become a uh, restricted free agent with full bird rights at the end of it, which is uh, excellent. Yeah, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 a fan of Hardenstein. Um, hopefully, the, hopefully the Rockets can you know eventually move one of these these rookie bigs to the backup center at some point. Like Nene is really really getting old, but that, that's another story. Um, so yeah, they spent part of that MLE on Isaiah Hardenstein, and they intend to sign. Um, I they have it hasn't been reported, but I'm ninety nine percent sure that they're going to spend 
some of that also on DeAnthony Melton, their other rookie that they got in the draft this year that fell um, from, should have been a first rounder, by all accounts should have even been a lottery pick, fell fell into the Rockets' lap in the second round. We've talked about this. Um, They intend to sign him with part of that MLE. Huge fan of Melton. Um, So that should be interesting when that gets done. But yeah, they'll have around three something, three point three million dollars or something like that in, to play with um, after they sign these guys, and after and after that they can go into the the buyout market like pretty much being able to outbid any other team for free agents that get bought out at that time. So let's just say someone like Jared Dudley gets bought out, right? Jared Dudley gets bought out. And one team is offering the veterans minimum exception, and the Rockets are offering the taxpayer MLE. He's going to pick the taxpayer MLE more than likely. Now, that's that's just an example. You know, we could go on about other free agents, but yeah, that's just one way the Rockets can improve during the season, which I expect them to do. I don't expect them to end the season without using this taxpayer MLE. But yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm optimistic on the Melo signing. Two. I've talked to a bunch of basketball people that I trust over the past week, and it shocks me how many people are still in on Carmel Anthony as a basketball talent. And I'm not talking about casual fans here. I'm talking about like smart basketball observers. I was texting back and forth with a buddy of mine, and he told me to go listen to the Chris Mannix podcast with Wes Wilcox. So I blindly listened to him, and I went to go listen to the podcast, and I was shocked at how Wes Wilcox, and by the way, if you don't know Wes Wilcox, he's a former general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I was shocked about how he was speaking about Melo. Um, again, this is a former basketball executive who's still in on Carmel Anthony, the basketball player. And then there's the matter of Daryl Morey, one of the best general managers in the business, still believing in Melo as a positive basketball asset. Otherwise, he wouldn't be you know, so heavily folk, you know, honed in on him for the past two years. Like that's one of the reasons I've shifted on on, on Mello. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a real possibility that it could work out well, and a lot of very smart people are believing in him, but also a lot of very smart people have believed in a lot of things. So, uh, <laughs> so well, so again, I, like I'm not saying it'll work out. I'm just I'm uh, just more open to it now. Yeah, I, I'm still very circumspect um, about it. I it, the the veterans minimum is the best possible scenario for it. Uh, basically, as long as he is willing to play in the system, I think he could be he could potentially be pretty useful. Uh, if he's not willing to buy in, then they have the option to tell him to go ahead and take the rest of the year off. Uh, yeah. at, so that's I think the biggest concern is I mean this the I think the second biggest concern is that he's just not very good at basketball anymore, which maybe he's thirty four and we kind of forget that that he's just it's it's as much as anything that he's getting older. Uh, but the biggest concern would be like a chemistry issue, and hopefully that you know the fact that he's on a minimum deal that's almost certainly going to be only for this year anyway means that they will not feel bad about cutting bait with this should it go south. Right. And the third reason I'm open to the signing is because I went back and I watched some tape of Melo and OKC, and I ran some numbers, and I looked at his shot charts over the years, and I'm a, I, and I wrote about this on Sports Map Houston, by the way. You guys can go read the column. I'm just going to talk about it briefly here. It's astounding to me how badly teams have used Carmelo Anthony in the past decade. First of all, he's taking entirely too many mid-range jumpers. 40% of his field goal attempts 
our middle, our mid-range jumpers. And he's just not good enough to be taking that many. Like, there's like three or four guys in the league that are good enough to be taking that many. And that's pretty much Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Dirk Davinsky, and like, you know, CJ McCollum, right? There's not that many like that are efficient enough to really justify that shot at that rate. And Carmelo is not one of them. And he's someone I think Mori Ball will help significantly. Like, he needs to be taking more threes, particularly from the right corner. Because So I looked at his career shot charts, and this dude is a dead-eye shooter from the right corner, and he just doesn't take that many. Like, I'm talking 40-plus percent consistently year after year from the right corner, and he, he's just not taking that many. He's All of his threes seem to be from above the break. But he's, he's a good above-the-break shooter. He's just not as good as he is from the right corner. And the Rockets love placing their shooters in corners. I mean, if you look at P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, and Luke Mbamute last year, all of them shot corner threes, and all of them shot them pretty efficiently. So I think that should help him. Also, he seems to be comfortable shooting above the break threes, and the Rockets like using their, their trailer bigs, like their stretch bigs, like that in transition, like they did that with Ryan Anderson. So... I think that's another spot they can use him. So I just think the Rockets can make him a lot better, especially with the amount of catch and open catch-and-shoot opportunities he'll get with Chris Paul and James Harden. And I, I realize he didn't shoot that well on open catch-and-shoot jumpers last year with Russell Westbrook and, and Paul George. Those just, those guys just aren't the level of playmakers that James Harden and Chris Paul are. Like, I'm sorry. Those guys aren't the level of passers that Chris Paul and James Harden are. Those guys those guys are certainly good passers, not, not at the level of, of James Harden and Chris Paul. And I think he'll shoot more efficient on, on passes from those two, two than he will from Russ and, and Paul George. Yeah, he's definitely going to do better in Houston. Uh, they're actually going to have time to institute a bit of the system is a big part of it. And he's going to have a lot more like shot creation and uh, facilitation around him. Probably better shooters. I mean, the reality is that this is just a better team than the Thunder. Yeah. Uh, as much as people want to... like say to to hold on to the uh the dream that the thunder are just as good as the rockets they clearly weren't last season paul george and russell westbrook are great but james harden and uh chris paul and clint capella and the whole supporting cast it's just a better team overall and he with a with a better offensive coach and i think they'll they'll find they'll figure it out with him uh as long as he's willing to buy in he's going to find himself having a more efficient if not necessarily as glorious season uh so i i'm hopeful that that but you know we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes long term they have it's a long season and they'll get to see how he how he looks for a while yeah and like i compared him to gerald green like i'm i'm, I'm not going to say too much more on this topic but like you guys should go read the column like the Rockets really optimized Gerald Green. Uh, that's all I'll say. Go read the article. Um, so let's move on to Clint Capella. Um, he signed a four-year, $90 million deal yesterday with $10 million in incentives. And i, I got to explain the incentives here because they're some of the most unique incentives I've ever seen in a contract. Um, he'll get $1 million for reaching the the Western Conference Finals, like if he reaches the Western Conference Finals, you'll get an extra million dollars per year. That's a new one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's gonna get he's gonna get five hundred thousand dollars a year 
for finishing with a 30% defensive rebounding rate. Of course Daryl Morey would use defensive rebounding rate within his incentive structure. Like any other general manager, they just put in rebounds per game. But Daryl Morey's uh, puts in rebound percentage. I, I just think that was funny. That was a little quirky thing I noticed. Um, and another $500,000 for shooting six at least 65% from the free throw line. So these are for each of his five season dollars, each of his five seasons, two million dollars each, pretty much. And like I just, I've never seen incentives like like this, it's particularly the free throw percentage. Like somebody pointed out to me that free throw attempts has been an incentive offered in a contract. I've never seen free throw percentage offered in a contract. That's completely unique. Like I, I've never seen that before. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. I yeah. I don't really like these incentives. Uh, I. Like, team success, that's, come on. It's, he's not solely in control of whether the team makes the conference finals. So instead, it's just, it's, I guess it's just a redistributing out, like, the, the playoffs revenue bump they get. It's really weird. Uh, I It smacks to me of, like, thinking about, like, oh, we had, mean to motivate him more so he d- plays better. I don't, <laughs> think you need, I don't know that you need to keep motivating Clint Capella. He seems pretty motivated already. Uh the only one that's really in his control completely is the uh, is the, the free throw percentage one, and I mean he looks like he's well on the way to making that. It's just very strange. Like each of these years, he has these three things, and it, they're not going to make the conference finals every year for five years. Nobody makes the conference finals every year for five years. Yeah, uh, like I, he's definitely yeah. <laughs> not going to get the full ninety million dollars. Um, and you're right. Like, like you and I are both pro player. So these kind of incentives in a contract, like they they they're kind of annoying. But for the Rockets' purposes, this is a great contract, man. Like, oh, it's super team friendly. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great eight. Like, first of all, congrats to Clint Capella and eighty million dollars in guaranteed money over the next five seasons. Like, I know people are saying that the Rockets robbed him or whatever. Like, that's a lot of guaranteed money to turn down. Like, I'm sorry, taking the qualifying offer is not as easy as it looks. Like it's it's just not like you you do that you turn down eighty million dollars in, in guaranteed money that's like that's really really difficult to do. That's and a look, big gamble. Yeah, you're gambling that you won't get hurt either. Now it's not that you you don't perform. It's like you don't get hurt. What if Capella and God forbid, knock on wood, what if Capella tears his ACL? Like you you just you just don't know like what what's gonna happen throughout the course of a season. Um, and so that's why you got to have, I mean, that's why it's easier. It's more digestible to take the, the more guaranteed money up front because you don't know what's going to happen if you go into unrestricted free agency next year with 200 plus free agents available. It like you think we think that he'll get that money back, but I mean, are we 100% sure? Like, are, like there's, yeah. there's a lot of free agents out there. Yeah, and there's a good chance that one of them will, you know, that they'll scoop up all that money before he gets to it, and right. then that's he's out all of that. Uh, that'd be a huge disaster for him, and it's completely possible. It's by the sheer number of of players and the sheer amount of talent that's available out there compared to how much money there's going to be more money out there next season than this season. But there's a lot more talent and players out there, so it was not a guarantee that he would get a better deal next season at all. Uh, I think that in the end it would have been a bad decision for him not to take this deal. Like, he was kind of screwed by the current market. It it would have been a risky decision. It would have been a risky decision. I I don't think it would be a bad decision. I think it would be a very risky decision to take that qualifying offer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's a there would be a very real chance that he would end up like just basically out. That you know, he would end up like holding a bag next season. So I think it would be irresponsible to not take it. Fair. It was it was good enough that like it's worth taking. I think honestly, they probably should have given him a little bit more. Uh, I think about twenty million dollars a year is pretty fair for him, all things considered. Uh, but as long as there's no hard feelings, you know, who cares? This is that's that's great for the team, and it's still quite a lot of money, though it's not quite, I think, what he would have gotten on a better market. Yeah, uh, I love Clint Capella, uh, and I'm just gonna go ahead and go into a diatribe about Clint Capella for like a minute here. Like this guy is the perfect center to pair with James Harden and, and Chris Paul. Like just a, 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 a an elite pick and roll player. Um, and in Jeff Bezdelic's system, a very good switch defender, one of the best switch defenders defenders in the entire league, maybe the best in terms of big man switch defenders. Um, and he is like really, really smart, sets screens really well. Like he's getting he's getting into that bogut area of setting illegal screens. Like and no one's really talking about <laughs> it for the Rockets. Like he flares his, his elbows out a lot. He uh, he moves a lot. Like he he's he's picking up some some tricks of the craft, right? And uh, fair enough, like that helps the Rockets a lot, helps create extra space. But uh, if it were some other, if it were another player on another team, we would be about it endlessly. I'm just saying. But yeah, he's he, he's he's a great screen setter, great roller, uh, runs the floor exceptionally well. Um, only 24 years old, and he's only going to get better. And like, I just I just love this like for the Rockets. But the contract is great. Like the like we we just talked about it like that's a steal for Capella and again we we talked about that's a lot of guaranteed money for Capella at the same time he could have got a lot more like he could have easily if there was more space available he could have easily demanded a hundred plus more million dollars per year right like not a hundred million dollars plus per year right he could have easily demanded that on the free agent market and it's just bad wrong space wrong time and. Like I feel bad for him, but for the Rockets, like purposes, like this contract is great. Like you can move him easily and to, to hold on to him, he's not going to hurt your books that much. Like the Rockets are paying about around twenty one million dollars in luxury tax right now, and it, it's only going to increase a little bit. Like after after everything's done, like it's it's that's good for fourth in the league. Not too bad. A friendly contract. They're going to pay the repeater tax next year, but. I like this contract. I like I like Clint Capello. I, I I like pairing him with James Harden for the next few seasons. I like locking up a core of James Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella for the next four years. I love that. I love the idea that the Rockets won fifty seven games and lost three of them. I mean, not no, they won fifty three games and lost seven of them when Clint Capella, James Harden, and Chris Paul are on the floor. That's an incredible stat, um, and it's 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 very exciting for the Rockets. It makes the Rockets offseason in general, look a lot better. Uh, we're not talking about the Rockets' whole offseason on this podcast, but um, getting Mello for the vet minimum and getting Capella for this deal really makes the Rockets' offseason look a lot better because it was it was looking dark there for a couple for a couple weeks there. But this past week has really brightened up the Rockets' offseason, uh, bumped them up a couple grade points, I would say. Yeah, it definitely makes it look better. Uh, that's that's a quality, uh, it's a quality signing right there. It's a necessary signing to lock up that core for the next four seasons. Uh, and yeah, I'm more I'm enthused by it. Uh, 
for what it's worth, people have been talking about whether or not this means that, uh, that the ownership is being cheap or not. Oh. I think that this contract is just... It's good. Uh, I don't think there's any information about that. I still, I honestly now think that we don't really know whether this ownership group is willing to particularly spend or not. Like, they're not necessarily a huge spender. They're not cheaping out either. We just, all the moves they've made have been pretty, like, reasonable and responsible. I think this Clint Capella deal is neither, like, a skin flint move nor, like, any, uh, a very generous move. It's just a very reasonable move. Yeah, like, I, I I have not seen any red flags this offseason about ownership. I'm sorry. Like other than paying not paying Ariza fifteen million dollars a year, which would be way too much for Ariza. Like and and I, I've expressed my displeasure with Trevor Ariza on this podcast several times. So we're not gonna get into that. But other than that, like they haven't really cheaped out. Like I, I'm sorry. Like they paid money for in the draft that they didn't have to spend. Um, they gave they gave Chris Paul a four year max. And they just gave Clint Capella $90 million. And I know they could have given Clint Capella a lot more. But, I mean, I just think Daryl doesn't hand out huge contracts that often for if you're not a star player. Like, if you're not a star player, Daryl is just not is just hesitant to give you that, that max contract. He, he just is. Like, I mean, if you look at his history, the most he's ever spent on a role player might be Ryan Anderson. Like, that, that might be the most he's ever spent on a non- star player and that was a summer in which they admittedly overpaid they they said as much uh following that like they had to overpay for free agents and after after ryan anderson i mean clint capella is is the runner-up in terms of the most they paid for um non-star non-star players and like i i just i just think this is a function of what daryl does like not not a function of ownership necessarily but a function of what Darrow does he's just very prudent about not spending money like you don't want to be the team that gives a billion dollars to Luau Day or to Joe Kim Noah or to um Alan Crabb or to you know Evan Turner you know whatever like you don't want to be the team that overpays for role players and I just think that's just a function of Darrow not a function of ownership we we have I agree with you we have no idea one way or the other off of this offseason if, if ownership is cheap or not I just don't think he is. Like, I, 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 we just haven't seen any red flags, and that that that's why I caution everyone to chill out on on calling Tillman for Tita cheap for now. Like, just chill out for now. Yeah, incomplete, inconclusive. Right. Don't know. Just just don't worry about it for the moment. Right. Like the Rockets haven't hamstrung their, themselves that much this off season uh, in terms of money decisions. I mean, they've made the more the most important money decisions so far like cl- retaining Chris Paul and, and Clint Capella were the most important objectives for the Rockets this offseason and they did that so you know I, I think I think that's you know it, it's not a red flag it's that's all I'll say um so moving on to this Brian Windhorst report so Brian Windhorst did a sports center hit yesterday and uh this is from Team USA minicamp and he talked about how the Rockets have been active on the trade market, and they've been trying to move Ryan Anderson for for several months now. And he said that he wouldn't be surprised if they made a move for a defensive player or two before training camp. Um, this is in line with the speculation we've been talking about all su- all summer. Yeah, it's pretty much ever since they lost um, Trevor Ariza. Like the idea of trading for a, a defensive specialist on the wing. Um, has ramped up significantly, and it seems like the Rockets are willing to take on long-term money 
um, if in their objective of moving Ryan Anderson. Um, I gotta say, and I might be alone here, I'm not too hot on the idea on trading a first round pick, that 2019 first, unless it's a very, very good deal. Because that 2019 first round pick is some of the best currency the Rockets have right now. And I'm just gonna say, like, if, if a star player becomes available, the Rockets now have Clint Capella under contract for a, a very reasonable prize, very movable contract, a large sum of salary, and their 2019 first moving forward, um, and all their draft picks moving forward, except for their next year's second rounder, right? Like, they have a, a ton of draft picks to work with. Like, if a star player becomes available, you don't want to be you don't want to quickly move on from that 2019 first just because you're in desperate need no, not desperate need just because you really want an extra wing right like I, that that's just my take like i i'm not saying you don't move it but that deal better be really really great to move it in my opinion you, you might disagree with me but that's kind of where i stand on this like i, I kind of want to keep that 2019 first going into the season just for now i want to see how the rockets fare i want to see how they how they fare with this this cast, and if if there seems to be a need, there you know there's no rush to make a move before July first. I mean not July first before, um, before training camp. Like there's, I mean Daryl talks about this all the time. Like you don't have to have your roster available for the opener. You have to have your roster available for the playoffs, and that's kind of where I stand on this. I mean, so the debate is between whether it's better to pay a bit less later on in the season and get whoever you're going to get then or to pay a little bit more now uh, and have that extra time. I think that uh, that's, that's, it depends on how big the price difference is, right? If it's the difference between like losing like a first and a second versus losing two seconds, then I think that's, that's where it becomes a hard decision. Like is, is that, is that difference between a first and a second worth it? I, Right now, I think I'm going to tend to err on the side that it's better to get it done over the summer if the price if if, if you're debating the price difference. I mean, obviously, if it's a difference between like giving up like a first round pick or giving up nothing, then yeah, that's a big difference. But uh, I think that we sh- that the Rockets need to prioritize this current season uh, as much as possible because this this window is not going to stay open forever. Uh, it's pretty limited, and I think that they need to do everything they can to get this team completely humming. And I think the best way to do that is to actually spend training camp and the entire season with your roster, with your role players, getting them all into the defensive scheme together. That's one reason why the Rockets did so well last season is that they did have the whole year to work on it together to get that swat, that switching defense down, which is hard. Switching defenses are difficult and require a lot of communication. So uh, I think it's I would rather I would right now rather have him, you know, whoever him is, have him for more time. But once again, you know, if, if the price differential is too big, then yes, you could just wait till the deadline. Okay, uh, I'm glad we disagree. We 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 haven't disagreed on a podcast in God knows how long. But um, <laughs> so my counter is: what if the Rockets? Let's just say they trade for Ken Bazemore, right? Opti- the, that's the trade everybody wants, right? Let's let's go ahead and put it on the table. It's a 2019 first. It's Ryan Anderson's contract. For Kent Bazemore, straight up, right, and both both sides benefit from this trade. Um, the Rockets get that wing that they covet after they lost Mbamute and Ariza, uh, and they get off of Anderson's money. Um, but but the Hawks get in addition to 
you know a stretch big that they can pair with, pair with Trey Young. They they get um, a 2019 first, and they're in extreme rebuilding mode. So that trade benefits both sides. Let's just, let's just say that's optim, you know best case scenario that trade happens, right? So they go into camp and they're you know they're humming and stuff like that. What if a wing, a good wing player, becomes available on the buyout market? Um, and you can get him for cheap. And the Rockets have already exhausted a 2019 first-round pick. And, you know, they, they could have theoretically spent their taxpayer mid-level exception on this theoretical wing that shook loose at the, on the buyout market. Like, well, what about then? You know, like, like what, what, like I just, I, I'm just not in any rush to make this trade now, is what I'm saying. Like, if you could make that, you make that Bazemore trade in February. You don't have to make it now. And if... If you you sense that things aren't going well, it might just be better to do it in February. Like if you're like, let's just say you're twelfth in defense, right, by February, and you feel like you there's a strong need for the on the wing for a guy like Ken Bazemore, for a guy like Nick Batum, for a guy like Iman Shumpert, then you can trade that 2019 first. I don't know. That's just me because like right now, going into the season, I don't feel like they're gonna struggle too much going going into. Like I just like I'm looking at their I'm looking at their depth and they they have guys who can fill their small forward position and their power forward position in terms of minutes like James Ennis, Carmelo Anthony, Ryan Anderson, PJ Tucker. Like those guys are gonna dominate like the lion's share of minutes. I don't know where another wing is gonna fit into all this. Uh. I mean, I I think you're right that it's not going to matter, particularly for the regular season. This team has not fallen off notably from uh, how good they were last season, if at all. They're going to win. Like they might not win as many games just because of regression and like happenstance, and the rest of the West getting better. Uh, a lot of people are like calling for their demise overly quickly. That just because they may have taken a step. It. I love yeah, it. That's because they may have taken a step back against the Warriors. They've taken a step back against everybody else. No, I'm, I'm, you get what are you talking about? Uh, but I do think having the extra time in the training camp in the season is useful for when you do play the Warriors. I think the extra reps are are, are useful, and uh, we'll we'll have to see uh, where, how you know, how it goes and what the offers on the table are. Like I wish that we knew what the offers were. I guess because I feel like we're doing a lot of speculation on things we just have no idea about. And if we actually knew what was being offered and what the differences would be, then we could have a more important opinion about it. But as it is, we're just kind of throwing things at the wall and then like grading those things we've made up ourselves. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying it would be a bad trade at all. Like, like that's a good trade for both sides. Like the Rockets get off of Anderson's salary. The Rockets um, get their wing back. So you solve two problems for essentially just the 2019 first, right? That's essentially what you're looking at. And, I'm not one hundred. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm against that. I'm just saying, like, let's just see how this roster shakes out, right? Let's just see how how they perform, and like, if there's a really, you, you don't even have to wait till February. You can, if it if it's bad enough, you can make that move in November, December, right? Like, you don't have to. It's, there's no there's no rule that you have to wait till February to make trades. I mean, the Rockets have made trades before February before. It's not it's not anything new, and. Uh, that's all I'm saying. I, I would just like to keep the asset because, like, for once, I would like the Rockets to have a, t- a first-round pick, uh, not not just for the idea of perhaps groom, you know, drafting and grooming a young player, but also just 
that's that's another that's another asset in the in the trade chest, right? Like something you could possibly use for a third superstar, which I do believe Daryl Morey wants. Like I, I, I'm not saying that they're gonna even get that this season at all, and I know that the priority number one is two and three should be the Warriors right now, but you know you should you sh- you shouldn't sacrifice future flexibility if you don't have to right now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but of course we also can't discount the the possibility that they might manage to not trade a first round pick in whatever move they make, depending on what the player going back is. Fair. Uh, yeah, they, they know, could the, they could trade a second rounder or two seconds. And yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's that's perfect. That's perfectly they, possible. They have their cash available this season too, right? Because they use they use the cash for, to buy a draft pick in last season's books. They used uh, 1.5 million to buy a second rounder, but they still have a lot of cash available. Like they still have a decent amount yeah. left. Uh, like I think it was like $2 million in, that they can use in trades. Yeah, so that might help with, you know, if, for example, if it is uh, Camp Bazemore, for instance, then they could make up the, that little difference in their salary there somewhat by paying them straight up and We'll see. And we, the Rockets take back that extra year, so you can justify yeah. we're doing you a favor. You can you can clear your books earlier, and we're giving you this cash anyway. So yeah, I, I can see. I, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. So we just don't know like what the what deals they have on the table. Uh, obviously, if they're not going to lose a first rounder, or if it's a later first rounder, then that hurts a lot a lot less. And so we'll have to see. Uh, but on balance, I think that I veer a little more towards like do everything you can for this season, and it sounds like you're veering a little more towards uh, planning for the next couple seasons as well. Right, I- I'm all for sustainability, right, and getting young players and grooming them to be in your system, like for cheap contracts, rookie scale contracts that you can keep and use as rotation players, or maybe use in trades, like like. That's a way sustaining a contender, right? Like that's that's what the Warriors have been doing. That they use this with Pat McCaw and Jordan Bell, and you know that's what the Spurs have done for so so many years. Like that's all I'm advocating for. I'm I'm just advocating for wait and see. Like the Rockets have traded all of their first rounders for the past six years or whatever. So it's in all likelihood they're probably going to trade this first. But if if you don't have to, I say I say hold off on it for now. That's all I say. It's fair. We'll agree to disagree for once. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Give us five stars. It helps you find find our podcast and helps uh, us a great amount. And yeah, guys. Good night.